Amen. It is uh, so good to be back here with you. And in case I, I know that I haven't said this in a few weeks, man, I love my church. Man. Man, I love my church. Um, so here's what today is going to be. We're going to recap a little bit of the trip. And I'm going to give you a word that I feel like God, uh, he woke me up on Friday morning. I was somewhere between sleeping and awake. And I felt like he spoke a, a, a phrase to me that I had to go figure out where it was. I didn't know off the top of my head where it was in scripture. And so, uh, um, so we'll get to that here in a minute. But let's look at Mark 16 and verse 17. Before we get to, I'm going to show some pictures here in a second. Don't worry. I'll show you. <clears throat> I do want to say um, one of the million reasons that I love my church is because of this. Mark 16 and 17 says this. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. On our trip to Mozambique, South Africa, and Kenya, demons were cast out. They will speak in new tongues. Uh, there were people who couldn't even wait for us to lay our hands on them. Literally stood up before the end of a teaching session raised hands, and began speaking in other tongues. Can we do the next verse as well? They will pick up snakes with their hands. I actually don't have a snake story. so We do have a story where a kid got stung by a scorpion, and um, some of our youth laid hands on him, and the kid immediately, all the pain, all the sting went away immediately. That's the closest one I got to snakes. I don't actually have that one. I saw some snakes because we were out in, in the bush in Africa, but nothing like that. I didn't pick any of them up. When they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. As far as I know, we didn't drink any deadly poison. But if it did, then the verse worked again. <laughs> they would place their hands on sick people and they would get well. Um, as we were casting out, I don't know, seven, eight demons out of one guy named Levi, by the way. Interesting. Who was a pastor of a local church. <laughs> Well, alrighty then. Wonder what that church was like, right? And uh, while that was going on, uh, some of our youth uh, and some of the local ministers there were laying hands on folks. One lady had a, a leg that was um, swollen just beyond belief, and she couldn't walk on the leg. There was so much pain that was going on. They laid hands on her. Uh, the swelling went down, the pain went away, and she just started jumping up and down because the Lord had healed her instantaneously. <laughs> There were all kind of amazing things. Um, these things will follow those who believe. 1 Corinthians 14 says, these things must be done in the body to build up the body. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 says, as you go, preach that the kingdom is near and heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse the leper. These are things that should be going on in our lives and I am happy to report to you that the things that the Bible says that should be going on are going on. They're going on in our daily services. They're going on in your lives. They're going on across the world as we take the gospel uh, to and fro. If, if you'll go ahead and show some of the pictures now. Um, <clears throat> one, of the, one of the revelations that our church has gotten in, in, is over, over the years is one life, one family, and one nation. Church started off uh, with the Lord speaking to the Stevens household and telling them to deal with the one life that was in front of them. I can assure you the, the young lady right in the middle, her name is Rose. 
if we would have traveled somewhere close to 10,000 miles to get there, 95, 9,700 miles one way, um, if we would have gone there just for Rose, it would have been worth it. Um, I want to read you an e- just a portion of a lengthy email that Rose sent to us and uh, want to explain to you what the Lord did there. <laughs> My whole life I let fear grip me to the point of holding me back from all that God had for me. Ever since Saturday, when the Holy Spirit came pouring out of me, I felt like scales have fallen off my eyes. When I read the Word, it's so much more real than alive to me than before. I can't stop reading. I'm constantly making connections and receiving revelation. I'm in the Word all day long. I've been practicing my prayer language and I just never want to stop. Now all I want is for others to have the same experience. I want to thank you guys for challenging me and encouraging me to let go and just try. I want to thank you guys for inspiring me to get back into the Word on a deep level. That's Rose. These are Rose's words, um, being there, and the Lord just kept pouring out upon her. The last Saturday that we were there uh, in Mozambique, those were, that's what happened to her. Um, one life, it matters. I, I could tell you a story about Arnaldo, who was the young man, 18 years old. Pastor Eric is preaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uncaging the Spirit. He stands up at the end, both hands, he he speaks Shangan, which is the local language. Uh, kid speaks a little Portuguese as well. He also speaks a little bit of English. And there was a new language coming out of his mouth of a heavenly origin. Just stands up, just starts, and it ushered in just a wave of the Spirit. Uh, <laughs> there's only been a few people that I know that immediately get filled and then turn around and start looking to go attack someone else so that they can get uh, filled with the Spirit. Arnaldo did that. Rose did that. She gets filled with the Spirit and starts prophesying and praying for others to get filled with the Spirit. This is the way that it's supposed to be, ladies and gentlemen. This is the way that that our God works. Um, If you go to the next one, one life, one family. I love Baj Erigina. Goodness gracious. Our elders are pretty special people here in this church. If you ever forget that, then shame on you. Because these are special men. These are special families. Baj is there. That's the last Sunday that we were there. Made an altar call like a boss. (laughs) He preached. Next to him is Pedro. I'm going to tell you about Pedro in just a second. Hey, you need the Holy Spirit. If you want the Holy Spirit, come down right now. Whoosh! People getting filled with the Spirit. It was incredible. I, I could talk on the one family part and use Baj as an example because we were in Mozambique and then we went to South Africa, but I'm going to leave all the family stories, for, let Baj be able to share that with you because it's his family. So I wanted to do that. I did want to look at Pedro, though. Pedro was with us. He was our interpreter the entire time. Pedro speaks about four or five languages that he let us know about. He probably speaks more than that. He's kind of like, like Baj. You're not quite sure how many languages he can actually speak because we would go everywhere and Baj would just walk up to people and I'm like, what are you doing? I want to be like you when I grow up. Didn't matter. He, did, he knew enough Afrikaans and Spanish and picked up Portuguese while we were there. And he just kind of made it work. And we're like, amen. That, that gentle hand on people's shoulders in there. You know, I don't know what they're saying. But I'm like, oh, that's good. Whatever's going on. But Pedro was there and he was our interpreter for the entire time. Can you imagine being an interpreter as Pastor Eric is going at it or as Baj? I mean, 
he is, he is doing a great job with it. Pedro gets filled with the Spirit on that same Saturday that Rose did. Begins to prophesy. The fire of God comes alive in him so much that he goes home and he, he starts talking to his wife on Saturday and says, he starts putting up Scripture everywhere in his house. He pulls out the Word and pulls his wife over. Begins to pray for her to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because he was like, I am now alive on the inside. Pedro was a believer. He was genuine. He came alive. He became from just a nice guy, he became a warrior, a lion in the kingdom. Just in a moment, starting to prophesy to folks. Uh, he said, I, I can't wait to introduce my wife to you all. And I'm like, oh, amen, she's going to be here tomorrow. Yes, she would be the prettiest woman here. Amen. <laughs> Good job, Pedro. Way to go. Had their little six-month-old Jesse that was with them. Incredible. One life like Rose. One family. Pedro gets touched. He immediately, the only thing he wants to do is reach out to his immediate family and start birthing ministries within the church. And then One Nation is the next picture. <clears throat> this is a panoramic picture, so I hope you can understand kind of the distortion in it just a little bit. But these are leaders from around uh, the area in Mozambique where we were. This was an all-day, basically like a nine-to-three kind of, we're all going to sit there. And they'll bring out hot tea and bread to you every, every so often. And, and just ministry just started flowing. Uh, God cares about the nations, amen? We can ask of him and he'll give us the nations as an inheritance, right? So uh, just got some other pictures here. We'll just, we'll just flip through them. This is the, the Saturday morning. Um, Pastor Mel is the one who's standing with the red and white and blue shirt, and then Pedro's next to him. This group, most of that group got filled with the Holy Spirit that day, a few hours later. Um, you can't see Arnaldo, but he's in that picture. It's a little bit, little bit too hard to see. Next picture. This is my beautiful daughter, Olivia, with Rachel. That's the daughter of the pastor there. I believe that Rachel got filled with the Spirit as well. Um, uh, you'd been proud of your youth. Uh, John, Joy, you guys have done, and Justin and Ella, y'all have done such a great job with youth. Uh, we just, I just sicked my daughter on the women there. Go get them filled with the Spirit. Go. Okay. We, we would sick our young men on other people and go, hey, that person needs to be healed. Go do it. Okay. This, this is our youth, our 13, 14, and 15-year-olds. I can assure you that was not what I was doing at 13, 14, or 15. But that is what our youth is doing. Amen? Uh, some of the beautiful kids that are there. Surprisingly enough, we had a work project while we were there. <laughs> it's us, right? It's LCMF. So this is us loading up uh, all kind of timber. This is us. Um, we, we made a church. We, we drove. The, the, place of this, the name of this place was Nazilo. We went to Nazilo, we went to Makwakwa, we went to Majikazi, went to some different places out in the bush. And when I say out in the bush, it means we drove for about an hour and a half, and then we left the road, and we got on a dirt road, and we drove for another 45 minutes or whatever, and then we left that road and just drove in grass, just like walking paths. You're like, amen. I hope we stop at some point because we're just going to fall off the, you know. And uh, so this was out in one of those places that was... Uh, the least gravel, level ground that I've ever seen. Um, so this is us during, during, the, during the process, just building. You can go to the next one. We had about, we did this structure in about uh, 10 or 11 hours of work. 
Uh, we worked on one afternoon, and then uh, then the next then the next day we came back and finished it. In between there is when the guy with the demons got dealt with, with the healings happened that night while we were out in the bush. Um, Olivia, I guess, was taking this picture. That's why she wasn't in it. But uh, this was us at the church. Just you know my view of these two godly men getting to listen to them as we were all just preparing for the sermon and kind of figuring out what was going on. <laughs> I just thought I'd show you for all you beard-wielding people here. Um, the kids could not get it off of Pastor Eric and Baj, of course, but, but that beard, they were all tugging on his beard every two seconds. There's a picture that I didn't want to show because maybe he wants to show it, and it's this little girl in uh, Majikazi, and she is almost like forehead to forehead with him. And she's grabbing his beard, and she's like, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a great shot, so hopefully he'll, he'll show you that. Okay, so this is in uh, Johannesburg Airport. That is uh, the Gabes, all right, the collective, the Gabes. Um, you can go to the next one, too, and we'll stay on the next one. So this, this is a worker. We're at a coffee shop there in, in Johannesburg Airport, and the guy was underneath the order sign taking an order, and... Um, I don't know exactly how it happened. They could fill it in later, but uh, they started talking to him. Hey, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're on a mission trip. Oh, well, I'm a Christian. Well, tell us when you fell in love with Jesus. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I mean, I've, I've been to church, and my mom goes to church. Oh, so you don't have a relationship with the Lord. So this conversation gets started. He actually leaves his post behind the counter, and he comes over to the side and I don't know if you could tell, but these two sons of thunder here have the word out, uh, going at him for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, and just, it's amazing, um, it's amazing. These guys did an incredible job, just started really combating him and confronting him with the truth of the gospel. Um, I don't remember how many more pictures we have. Uh, this is one of the places, this is Majikazi, um, a typical church service, we've got some video and stuff we'll show you later, but just some pictures and then this is Matthew is the young man up at the top left this is right out before the church service where Baj uh, preached the last Sunday that we were there um, there's a lot of a lot more pictures and stuff that we can do but I went on what I wanted to show you was that um, exactly what the scripture says should happen when we do it his way that's exactly what happens um, what we what we learned what we were able to experience is it doesn't matter the opposition spiritually or from other folks, when you continue to stay with the truth of God's word, when you stay to his standard, what he says will happen, will happen. So let me ask you, how, how well are the things in the Bible happening in your life? How well are they happening in my life? Do I have to go to Africa before I can see some of these things? I hope not. I hope, I hope that's not your experience either. I hope that these things are going on in your life. Um, turn to Mark chapter 12 and verse 24. This became such a poignant scripture for me throughout the trip. Mark 12, 24. It says this, Jesus replied, Are you not in error because you do not know the scripture or the power of God? What a, what a simple way to say it. Now, actually, in this case, they were trying to they were trying to get at Jesus. They were talking to him about marriage at the resurrection. So that's the context of this entire passage. But just this one verse stood out to me because it said, are you not in error? Don't, you, don't we make mistakes because either we don't know the scriptures properly or we don't really understand the power of God that he's wanting to move in our everyday life? 
Aren't most of our problems based on one of those two things? We don't really understand what the Scripture is telling us or we forget that God is powerful and He wants to move in our midst. I mean, it, it really is that simple. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And let's start in verse 2. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. <laughs> uh, we felt like that on the trip. As we were thinking and praying for you guys while we're over there, while you're praying for us over he- where we were, <laughs> we always thank God for all of you. Um, just real quick, just the last, um, the last part of the mission trip here. Uh, would you say this with me? Say, Connie Mambo. Connie Mambo is Sean gone for thank you. Uh, obrigado. It's Portuguese for thank you. My personal favorite is an Afrikan to say thank you is buy a donkey. <laughs> Kid you not. Buy a donkey. So, Connie Mambo, obrigado, buy a donkey. Thank you for praying for us while we were there. We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus. I won't go into this. I'm just going to mention this. Um, Your work produced by faith. The word work there is ergon. The labor prompted by love. The word labor there is kopos. And your endurance inspired by hope, the word endurance there is hupomone. Those are actually the first three words that are used in Revelation 2 for the church at Ephesus. I know your works, your deeds, and your perseverance. These are the exact same words that God commends churches for. He's saying it here. Work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you. Everybody say, He's chosen me. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power. Everybody say power. Power. With the Holy Spirit. Say Holy Spirit. Spirit. And with deep conviction. Everybody say deep conviction. conviction. You know, one of the things I love about this church is that this is exactly the way that we come. This is the way that we present the gospel. Not only with words. We have words. But what our goal is, is that there will be power, there will be the Holy Spirit, and there will be deep conviction. You know, it's amazing which one of those actual things turns people off. Um, if you're around in, in some circles, it's the, the very Word of God. People aren't very familiar with the Word of God, so you bring it. We got there, and even the young men, the idea that we carry our Bibles everywhere we go was a novel idea. Um, after Matthew in that last picture, the, last, the young man, the 12-year-old, it was his birthday when we first got there, and... After a couple of days being around our, our youth and being around us, we'd get up in the morning and, and meet over in their house, and he'd have his Bible out, and he'd have his highlighter out, and he started highlighting. Hey, what you reading, Matthew? Uh, I'm reading out of Deuteronomy 6. Hey, man, why don't you share what you're... 12 years old. Started seeing that this was the norm. The Word, power, Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. You know what? It's amazing that sometimes uh, 
uh, our church can get caricaturized by certain things. And you guys are, ah, you're, I don't know. Believe it or not, there are people who get offended at us because we have deep conviction about things. It's not really the Holy Spirit that they say that's bothering them. It's actually the fact that you guys have deep convictions. I mean, God, you, you guys almost sound arrogant. I'm not quite sure if I like that or not. It's, it's so strong. It's a little bit forceful. When you look up the word for deep conviction there, it means full assurance or perfect certitude. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel... Isn't that funny? Our gospel. Paul, Silas, and Timothy say, Our gospel, not the gospel, but our gospel, came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. We are supposed to have deep conviction. We are supposed to have... Now, we were supposed to allow God to, to keep, continue to train us and cause us to go deeper and deeper where there's, where there's uh, an understanding of how to use what He's given us in every situation. But we're supposed to have deep conviction. We're supposed to be able to say, this is the right way to do it. This way works regardless of culture, regardless of where you are in the world, regardless of when you are in the world. This Bible actually works. The Vincent, uh, I got to hear the message, Brent, from last week. Ready, set, go. Is that correct? Heard it, man. I'm so blessed by that. I love the fact that as a pastor that I could leave the church and we can expect the church to grow when we're not here. Maybe better than when we are here. Amen. Heard uh, Justin preach on secret holiness. Heard perspectives. Heard critical mass, just part of it. I didn't get to get all the way through all four sermons while I was gone yet, but I will. Man, we got some men with some deep convictions here. This is what this body is supposed to be doing. If the Vincents are going to go, in, in, since the Vincents are going to go to Indonesia, I was more encouraged about them as I was in Africa going, oh, this works. This thing works. The way that this word is wired, the way that this church is operating, it works. It works everywhere. It works every time. You can go and it's not some weird conjured up thing. We've actually just dug in the word and God has revealed things through hardships, through struggles, through banging our head up against the wall through maybe not doing it right and finding out with deep conviction that we can have full assurance and perfect certitude about what He has said. We know we don't have it all figured out, but we know what we do have figured out. And this thing works. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. Wow. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers. Um, I think that Brent asked last week about how many people were thinking about ministry. I think I remember hearing something like 80, 85% of the people raised their hand. How many people think that's going to be on foreign soil? 15, 20%, uh, something like that, right? So you became a model to all believers, whether you're here and you think you're going to end up on the mission field, whether you're here and you think you're going to end up in the five-fold full-time ministry, or whether you're neither of those categories, but you're here. <laughs> can't, can't have everybody. I expect that there would be multiple groups like that. There should be. That's healthy for a church. <laughs> it might be that we grow and we grow in each of those categories. 
If you're not called to the fivefold ministry, I'm going to say that you're supposed to be here so that you can become a model. You should be a model. You, you know what the word here for model is? It's the word tupos, T-U-P-O-S, number 5179 in the Greek. And here's what the word means. For you to be a model, it means caused by repeated strikes. I was not expecting that when I looked it up. I have to be honest with you. I was expecting the word to say, example, model. It says, caused by repeated strikes or blows. Marked to print an impression. (laughs) Hey, where are you at now in your life? Are there some repeated blows that have been going on in your life? Perhaps it's that the Lord is trying to work it out so that you can be a model. The repeated blows, the strikes being marked, being printed, imprinted upon, having an impression made. It leaves a mark on you. We expect that when you come here to Life Changing Ministries, there's going to be a mark left on you. Hopefully it's a good one. Hopefully you can appreciate the fact that when you're being marked upon it, so that you can be a model. It's, it's so that, hey, hey, there's a standard. I, we don't get to choose what the standard is. We're saying there is a standard. Let's all move towards this thing. Let's all go towards this thing. Let's all ask and see what the Lord is actually telling us. Let's not just be on default. Let's not just be on autopilot. Let's find out what He's saying and let's go do that. You know why? So that the sick can be healed and the, and the dead can be raised and the demons can be cast out and people can be baptized in the Spirit and saved. There are people saved on our trip. Every part of the book of Acts took place while we were there. And, and that's what our average mission trip is. Crazy that's average, right? I don't mean not special. I mean, that's, that's what we expect to happen. And so you became a model to all the believers. You were marked. You were stamped. Keep your place there real quick. Turn to John chapter uh, 20. Sorry, a little lag in my brain there. John chapter 20, verse 25. So the other disciples told Thomas, We have seen the Lord, but he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, unless I see the two posts in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Let me encourage you. When you are a model, when you are supposed to be, when you're actually doing this thing right, people will be able to go, hey, I won't believe unless I can see somebody who's actually been marked by this gospel. That's exactly what Thomas is saying uh, about Jesus here. Look, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, amen. That's what a model is for, isn't it? Gives them something to actually see. There's an issue with their faith on their end, but I want to be that model. Yes, look right here. Follow me as I follow Christ. That's not arrogant at all. I don't think that I'm being perfect about it. I'm just saying, I'm supposed, this is what we're supposed to be. Why run away from it? Oh, we run away from it because we're afraid that we won't be able to be the proper model. I'm not going to be afraid of it. We're going to go right at it. Let's turn to Luke chapter 12.
Luke chapter 12. And we're going to start in verse 1. Being a model. You know what our church does? We uh, perform out there what we practice in here. You know what our church does? The model that we set? We do the work. The model that we set is for masculine holiness. We expect men to actually be men. The model that we set is that we know that there's a brotherhood of believers. I need my brothers and my brothers need me. Will I be willing to die for my brother's vision? We know that there are 12 springs that feed the 70 palms. We know how important a flow of shalom is in our own home, in our own heart, in the church, in the world. We know to have rock, kazak, amats. The model that we said is that we're there. We understand what it's like to be an easer and to have an easer. We know what Abigail and Nabal are about. Our church is measured by self-sacrifice rather than self-promotion. Our church is serious about discipleship. We ask that visitors and home folk alike measure us not by the beauty of our stage or the polish on our performances, but rather we ask that we be measured by the amount of the Spirit of God that's actually at work in our midst. This is the model that Life Changing Ministries is. I love my church. Goodness gracious. Three parts of my world converged on this mission trip. In Baton Rouge, we left a, a church, uh, uh, a mega church that we were at in Baton Rouge, then we went to a mega church in the Austin, Texas area. On the plane ride from Atlanta to Johannesburg, I'm sitting next to. There are three sets of three rows. I'm on the third one in the aisle. The pastor of my church from Baton Rouge, the mega church that I was at, was right next to me. Talked to him, had a great time, enjoyed that. Went and stayed at his missionary's house in Maputo when we got there. With my friend, who is a missionary from the, the Austin church that was there. With Eric and Baj and our kids with us. It was like, this is a little bit surreal for me. Like... Got to hang out with Pastor Mike on the, on the airplane. And it was good to see him and saw these people and all these things. And what it did was for me, um, it, re, it encouraged me about the beauty of this place. There's a scene that, that Pastor Eric and Pastor Matt and I, uh, I always kid around about. Um, maybe one day it'll be not a joke, but it, there's, a, there's a scene in a movie, you know, very warrior like movie and they come up with a small band of oh about 300 people (laughs) and there's a much larger group that's there and they're like hey is this all you brought we brought more than that the response is something like this really you sir what's your profession I'm a cobbler sir 
You, sir, what's your profession? I'm a baker. What are we? Spartans! <laughs> Perhaps we've actually brought more warriors to this fight than you have. Perhaps you brought a bigger crowd, but I think that we brought more warriors. Um, Seeing my friends and brothers that I actually love reiterated to me what a special place that LC, Life Changing Ministries is. What a special place. What a special place. So Friday morning, we get off the plane Thursday. Uh, I eventually get to bed and crash pretty hard from all the jet lag and stuff. And I wake up Friday morning with Luke 12 and verse 1 going in my mind says this, Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another. <laughs> Wait, what? A crowd of many thousands had gathered and they were trampling upon each other. Jesus began to speak first to His disciples and here's what He said. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. The title of today's message is Be on Guard. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. I want to encourage us today. Um, this, is not from, this is actually from a place, the reason I spend as much time as I have thus far, is I couldn't be any more encouraged to be back. I actually missed you guys. I genuinely, genuinely missed you. We were going all over Africa. We were doing all kinds of things, seeing God move, and I'm like, man, Lord, this is great can't wait to get back home. Can't wait to get, to, back, to get back home to my church. And this is the word that the Lord encouraged me to give you today. Be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. And what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the rooftops. Wow. Let's turn, hold your place there because we're going to come back there. Turn to Matthew chapter 16. This is a parallel passage here. Matthew chapter 16. And let's look at verse 5. <laughs> verse 5 when they went across the lake the disciples forgot to take bread be careful Jesus said to them be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees I'm so encouraged by the scripture because this is often how I take things they discussed this amongst themselves and said it is because we didn't bring any bread don't you just love the way the scripture actually just shows you what really is going on in their minds they just left these people. They were trying to trick Jesus into doing this sign. He calls them on it. You guys can see the, the weather. You can look out in the morning and know whether it's going to rain or not, but you don't know the actual signs of what's going on spiritually. You're clueless. And then they go across. Be careful. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Is, is, is he mad at us? He's mad at us because we forgot to bring a loaf of bread with us. 
I, I, I can feel both sides of this. I, you know, I'm glad that Jesus is who he is, and I'm sure he's not as frustrated as I would get. Like, seriously, guys. I mean, come on. But I can also put myself in the disciples' place and go, I would totally feel that way. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Right? Aware of their discussion, Jesus said, you have little faith. Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Hello. McFly, I think. Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread, but be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Hey guys, I need you to pay attention to something. I need you to be on guard because there are things that are going on from the religious world, not from the outside world, from the religious part of this, that if you're not careful, it's like yeast. It will get in there and it will impact everything else that you do. If you allow small parts of yeast to get in, you've got a big problem. It contaminates everything that goes on. Um... Turn to Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13. Let's start in verse 3. Exodus 13, 3. Exodus 12, we see the Passover lamb. We see them covered by the blood. Exodus 13, we see how that they are supposed to get the leaven out of their life, the yeast, right? Verse 3, Then Moses said to the people, Commemorate this day, the day you came out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, because the Lord brought you out of it with a mighty hand. Eat nothing containing yeast. Everybody say nothing. Nothing. Today in the month of Abib you are leaving. When this Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, Jebusites, the land He swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you are to observe this ceremony in this month. For seven days, eat bread made without yeast, and on the seventh day, hold a festival to the Lord. I like yeast rolls. They're yummy. They really are. Go to these restaurants that give you yeast rolls. You're like, oh, so good. It's so tasty. There are are some things that can appeal to us that God says, just don't eat it. Don't take it into you because it's not what I want for you. It looks good. It's all buttered up. All right. Luckily, we have potlucks, so we don't have to go very far. I know, right? I was like, For seven days, eat bread made without yeast, and on the seventh day, hold a festival to the Lord. Eat unleavened bread during those seven days. Nothing with yeast in it, listen to this, is to be seen among you, nor shall any yeast be anywhere within your borders. This is a personal responsibility and a collective responsibility. Does that make sense to you? Not around you, nor anywhere in your borders. This little small thing that can get in there that will impact everything, God is saying, it's got to be completely out of your life. It has got to be gone. On that day, tell your son, I do this because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. This observance will be for you like a sign on your hand. If you've missed out on some of the things that we're teaching on Monday nights at Foundations, you are missing some of the best teachings anywhere in the world. 
sign on your hand and a reminder on your forehead that the law of the Lord is to be on your lips. If the law of the Lord is to be on your lips, then yeast should not. You must keep this ordinance at the appointed time year after year. By the way, getting the yeast out of your life doesn't happen just once and you're like, done, got it out, did a good job. Year after year. Repetition after repetition. You have to go search it out. It's part of the normal Passover feast that goes on. right? On the Festival of Unleavened Bread, they search the house. The parents get the candle out and they search the house to make sure that there's no yeast that's left there. Why? Because we have to continually search for this. It has to be an ongoing process. Back to Luke chapter 12. Are you all with me here? First time I've been able to preach in the last two weeks without, a, without an interpreter. So it's like, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot how easy this was. This is good. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm, just hold your place there in Luke. I'll turn to it and read it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, 7, and 8, it says this. 1 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8. Your boasting is not good. Do you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast, as you really are. Isn't that a neat little insertion into the text there? This is Paul saying, hey man, you can't have yeast in there. You can't be doing anything the way that the world does it. Not anything. There's not one part of your life that's acceptable to have even just a little bit of the world even just a little bit of sin, even just a little bit of yourself in there. There's no part that's okay. Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast. We're new creations, right? 2 Corinthians 5. As you really are. This is supposed to be an encouragement to us. Hey, Paul's going, hey, you're a new creation. You're not made of that stuff anymore. Don't allow it to be in your life. You know why? Because that's not really what you are. What you are is the new batch without the yeast. That is what you are. That is what you are. That's what you were had the yeast. So you don't want to let that back into this. You don't want to let that contamination enter into the new creation. He's saying, this is what you really are. I feel encouraged. I don't know if you do, but I do. For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, but with bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity. Everybody say sincerity. Sincerity. And truth. Seems easy, doesn't it? Sincerity. What does that mean? That means you are sincere. There's nothing that's being mixed. It's an integer. It's an integral. It's got integrity. It's oneness of what you're doing. It's sincerity. What you're saying is what you mean. What you say out loud to me, to anyone else, is what you've really been thinking in your heart. There was a, there was a, a silly uh, TV show, and the guy was talking, and they had the voiceover, right? And, he, and everybody else had, hey, good to see you. And they're like, ugh, you're ugly. Right? The voiceover would come over and tell you what they really were thinking. Hey, yeah, that's a pretty dress. Ugh. And this one dumb jock walks up, and he's like, hey, how you doing? And the voiceover's like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> glad to be here. I'm glad to be here. Right? 
trying to show his simplicity that he was really, you know, not very smart. I actually still remember that today. This was a long time ago. I'm like, actually, no, that's what I want to be. I want to be that what I'm saying is, it's just pure. It's just sincere. It's just truthful. When I say I love my church, I'm not doing a marketing plan for you. I have friends who, who do marketing for churches. That's their job. I'm not saying because I think it would be a neat marketing thing or we could put it on a T-shirt or it would be great and get everybody's... I actually love my church. It's just sincere and true. Might end up putting on a T-shirt too, but I'm just saying. No. <laughs> so we can all enjoy it, right? No. With sincerity and in truth. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is what? Specifically, it's saying here it's, it's hypocrisy. <laughs> to pretend. This is 5272 from the Greek. To pretend, flattery, deception. You know what the problem with hypocrisy is? Isn't this the comment that unsaved people say about the church? It's full of hypocrites, right? And we like to dismiss that as just a, you know, an attack of the enemy. Well, yeah, probably. And is this not what Jesus is saying to us? Be on guard lest you actually are a hypocrite. You know what hypocrisy does to us? It averts us from living a holy life. It keeps us from living a holy life. Why? Because we want people to think that we're holy. So instead of just being holy, we're going to pretend like we're holy. That doesn't make any sense. We are new. We're, that's not who we are. That we are a new creation here. Turn to Luke chapter 14, just over a page or so. I want to encourage you guys with some very, very simple things here as we turn the corner. Luke chapter 14. One of the things you can tell if you're living in hypocrisy, here's what happens. You start making excuses. I was on the mission field. I heard more excuses, and I actually confronted the, one of the per- people who were giving me some of the excuses. Hey, man, tell me why this is okay for you to say. Tell me why it's okay. Because all I hear you doing is making an excuse for you not to have to push through something. Um, let, me, let, me just, let me just lay it out there. Your specific situation, my specific situation, is not the exclusion from the Word of God. Oh, we know that. What? People go, yeah, man, it's true. We err because we don't know the Scriptures or the power of God. Right on. Somebody else needs to hear that. Or, you don't understand my situation. If you understood, Nick, if you really understood, then you would understand how my, my twist, my nuance, maybe you're not smart enough to understand what I'm saying to you, but my situation does not actually mandate that I have to act that way. My situation is different. Now, clearly we know that that's silly. How about, how about we actually think about it in a way, Lord is... Am, am I doing this? Am I excusing myself from anything? What about excusing myself from these things must happen in the church? Do I excuse myself from that? Do I excuse myself from these signs will follow those who believe? How about I go, well, they must mean fivefold ministry person. They must mean someone else. 
What are you excusing yourself from that the Word of God clearly says? We're not even talking about having a depth of understanding. It just says it. And you go, yeah, but... Jude, let me explain to you why that's, I'm different. Stop making your excuses. Don't make excuses for your kids. I'm so sorry. Man, my kids, they have it tough. Amen. Good. That's, that's harsh. No. I'm trying to say I'm going to trust that he... <laughs> I'm going to trust that God has, it, has a purpose and a plan. And then if Acts 17 says that he determines the times and the places that his people will live and work so that they will cry out to him although he's not far off, I'm going to trust that even difficulty is for our good. So if I'm going to make an excuse because I feel personally bad for someone, that's not right. I'm making an excuse and I'm actually allowing hypocrisy to live in my life. Because I'm saying I believe the Word of God 100%. It is the only foundation. The church is the pillar and foundation of truth. Amen. And then I go, ah, but it doesn't all apply to me. Most of it does. It's okay to have a little yeast in there. As long as like most of it, on the grand scheme of things, I have more godliness than I... No, 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 no. Don't be a hypocrite. Be on guard. You know why it says to be on guard? Because it's sneaky. It'll slide in there and you're not even aware of it. And you're like, oh, I've been doing that for six months. Have you, have you ever done that in your home? You just wake up one day and you're like, why is this this way? You wake up that on your job and you're like, why is my desk this way? Well, you let it get there. And you're like, oh. You get it in order. Spring cleaning, right? You got to get there. And some of my best, I enjoy cleaning. And some of the times I like it best when it's just organized and nobody else, it doesn't even look like I did much. But my desk is now in order. You may not know, but my closet is in order, man. <laughs> right? <laughs> feeling, feeling the Lord on that one. Right? Luke chapter 14. Let's start in verse 16. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet. Everybody say great banquet. The Lord prepares some pretty incredible things. And invited many guests. Everybody say many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, Come! for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go see it. Wait, what? It's, it's, it's time. It's time to do what the Lord has called you to do. This has been established for you. It's awesome. It's great. Yeah, but you don't understand. This is bad timing for me. I've, I've got stuff to do. Please excuse me. No. <laughs> Another said, I, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. We know, we know how the rest of this story goes, right? We understand this parable. What are you making excuses for right now? Be on guard against this. Be on guard against making excuses. Well, you just don't understand how bad this has been. You don't understand how difficult this has been. You don't... uh, No. If you're going to be on guard, then I have to say, hey, none of it makes a difference. No excuse that you have. No matter how tragic, no matter how difficult, 
There is no excuse that allows you not to get all of the yeast out of your life. There is no excuse. You have to be on guard. You have to stand guard. <laughs> People really don't understand me. My situation is really different and this is how. Is, it, is this not... Uh, when, I was, when I used to be a band director, I hated band director meetings. All the band directors would get together for a regional thing and everyone would complain about why their situation was tougher than everybody else's. Well, you don't understand my school. My school has this. Oh, you know what? It'd be like a one-upmanship and how bad their, their life was. Maybe it's this way in your profession. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah? Well, we, we don't have a practice field. We've got a practice in the parking lot with cars there. Oh, that's terrible. Well, you know what it is in my school? It's even worse. Like, we don't even have shoes. You know? Oh, yeah? Well, we don't have feet. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I hated band director meetings. It was nothing but a complain fest. I'm like, I don't want to spend my time doing this. I don't want... Be careful that we're not doing the same thing. Pastor Wade, if you really understood my situation, my situation is different. I understand what you're saying, but mine is just different enough that it invalidates the actual Word of God. No, it doesn't. Love you. No, it doesn't. Some even call this a type of wisdom. <laughs> Turn to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Verse 13. James 3.13 Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Boast about it or deny the truth. So these must be two very typical things for people to do when they actually have bitter envy and selfish ambition in their heart. They boast about it. Or they just deny that it's actually there. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Wait, what? Yes. Where you, find, where you have the yeast of selfish ambition and bitter envy in you, about what somebody else has, about what they're able to do, about how God clearly is not taking care of you. You find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Then peace-loving. Not as in free from conflict, but we learn how to fight the right battles. True shalom in our home. We're considerate. Submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Don't let excuses come in. Don't let the yeast of excuses, don't let the yeast of insecurities get in there and keep you from 
growing in the Lord as you should. Let's take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. In verse 13. Second Timothy 1 and verse 13 <clears throat> says this, What you have heard from me, keep as the pattern. Everybody say pattern. pattern. Keep as the pattern of sound teaching. The word there actually uh, in the Greek means it's to draw a sketch, the pattern. It's to draw a sketch. Um, I'm not an artist in any way. I, I, I can do a little music, but no actual... Graphic artistry. Can't do it. Love people who can, but I can't. And I've seen kind of the, you draw a sketch of it first before, to get the right proportions and like, like laying a blueprint. He's saying, what you've heard from me, keep it as the pattern. This is the sketch to tell you what to do. This is what you have to keep going back to. Of sound teaching. You know what the word's there? It's two different words and it really means it's a healthy, whole logos. It's the healthy word, your sound teaching. What you've heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching. Guys, we've heard enough truth in this church that this verse absolutely applies to each and every one of us. We've each had revelation from the Lord enough that this passage completely relates to each of us. What you've heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. When we say be on your guard, you have to be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees and we have to guard the good deposit. Livia, can you come here for a second? I'm so proud of our kids. Gabe Stevens was just incredible on the trip. My kids were fun to travel with. 20-something thousand miles. We figured it out. It was like 22 or 23,000 miles in in this trip, you know. And the Bible says to guard... The good deposit. Now, as, as a father, I'm, I, I am rightfully protective of this little angel, right? She is incredible. Can you stand up on the steps? The idea that, that came to me as, I was, as we were studying and, and thinking through this is the idea of, I'm going to guard the good deposit that's been given to me. Because I understand the value of this, of the good deposit that's been given to me, and this is an accurate, uh, one day I will, I will hand her over to a husband who will then take her, right now it's my responsibility, for leadership and growth in her life. I, I have to help her along. I have to encourage her. I have to help her battle fears. I have to help her come out and, and be bold and be strong. It's my responsibility. One day that'll be someone else's, but until then, it's mine. Because of the preciousness of this deposit that's been given me, do you think I actually care what's going to come against us? My job is to defend. My job is to be on guard and guard the good deposit that's been given to me. Um, We're standing in Africa. I'm looking down basically like this. I'm looking down an aisleway to the open door in this little hut kind of thing that we're in. And the, the mental picture that came to me was this lion. If a lion comes in, well, I know what I'm not doing. 
not running. I know where I'm. I know what I, I know. What my job is is to guard this right here. The Bible says to guard the good deposit that we've been given. We have no excuse in a church like ours. You've been given a good deposit. This word is alive. You're seeing people healed. You're seeing people filled with the Spirit. Someone can walk up and give you a word of encouragement or a word of prophecy to help you, to encourage you, to motivate you. We have no excuses. We've been given the good deposit. But what does the rest of that scripture say? Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. I don't have time right now to go into the entrusted. That is a great study for you to do. That He has entrusted you. God's plan is us, folks. God put all the marbles. He put the whole plan on the shoulders of the church, on the shoulders of the called out and the anointed ones. That's his plan. There's no backup. There's no plan B. It's the church that's the pillar and the foundation of truth. It's through the church that he's going to reveal his manifold wisdom to all of mankind. It's through us. I have friends in this age and time who look at the church and they say how many things that it's not, and their conclusion is that you should get away from the church. I may even agree with some of, their, of what they're seeing, that there's a whole lot of yeast in it. But my answer isn't to run away from the church, it's to be the church. I am the church. Again, I hope this doesn't sound arrogant because what I really am is just incredibly bold to say, this is what it says. There is no place for fear. That's not from God. I'm going to stand flat-footed and I'm going to guard the deposit that was entrusted to me. I don't care how big and strong the adversity may be. Don't care. I'd rather give my life than, than fail at this task. I will give my life instead of fail at this task. Nick, can you come join me? Judah, can you come join me for a second? Can you stand up? So, but it doesn't just say, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you and leave it there, does it? It says, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Now, if I'm here and I'm having to defend this, my, my daughter, what happens if a pride of lions walk in? Right? What happens if there's a group and they're all over? These two guys are going to help me and be the Holy Spirit here. They're gonna, what happens is they can help me guard they can start helping us guard what's going on here. <laughs> is, is, is there, uh, right, silly, right? Is there a place where the Holy Spirit can't help us? Do we have a blind spot now? If we all went back to back and put Olivia here in the middle, is there, there we can get to where there's no blind spot here. We, we can get <laughs> the idea is that you're supposed to get where there's no blind spot. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. This is why, thanks guys, this is why you're put in a body of believers. Why? Woo, just kidding. I'm going to walk back up here now. That was, I have no idea what happened. Uh, 
The Holy Spirit help me. We're supposed to guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to allow the church, we're supposed to allow the Holy Spirit to be there because I have blind spots. I have things that I can't see. I have things that I don't, I can't get. But the Holy Spirit has none of those limitations. I'm willing. I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand my post. I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm going to be on guard. You realize that half the movies that you watch, the whole movie would fall apart if the guys on guard would actually be awake. Right? The whole plot revolves around this one guy being asleep with his feet up on the, on the table. Right? And then the plan comes off and then yay. You know, and you're like, seriously, half the movies. I'm not going to be asleep at my post. I'm not. I'm going to do whatever it has to take because this is what the word says. It says, guard the good deposit. Guard it. How do we guard it? We guard it. We wa- we're on our guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. We're guarding this good deposit that was given to us. The good deposit. The word there is kalos, K-A-L-O-S. I'm going to read the, the definition from the Strong's. It says this, constitutionally good without necessarily being benevolent. I will explain. It just hit me like a ton of bricks when I read this. It's constitutionally good. This good deposit the Lord has given us, it's good in and of itself. Whether it's necessarily benevolent to me or not. The value of me defending my daughter has nothing for what she can do for me. She has value. And I'm willing to defend that. What God has given to you is not something... That we're looking, this punches the entire prosperity gospel right in the face. The definition of this word, good deposit, of the phrase good deposit, has nothing to, it doesn't matter if you feel like it's benefiting you or not. It is worth defending, it is worth standing for, it is worth something that because we've been entrusted. Last, last verse here, let's do 1 Peter chapter 2. <clears throat> I hope this is making sense to you. 1 Peter chapter 2. How do we stay on guard? 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 23 says this. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Folks, how are you doing it guarding the good deposit? How are you doing it guarding against the yeast of the Pharisees? You can see, if you are in a situation and you feel like you still have to defend yourself, if you feel like you still have to either do or not do, to get something to come out right. Some of us go with the do. If I don't do this, no one will do it for me. If I don't speak up, if I don't act, if I don't be aggressive, then something's not going to happen. Jesus says He didn't retaliate. Why? Because He understood and He entrusted Himself to the one who judges justly. If you feel like you always have to fight for yourself, And don't right now in your mind and your heart start making excuses of why that that is okay. Don't don't do that right now. 
if you have to fight for yourself because you don't, the truth is, is you have a problem with trusting God. You have a, you have a problem that says, if I actually don't speak up right here in this instant, my default is to speak up. Why? Because if I don't, I'm going to be left hurt. I'm going to be left broken. I'm going to be left lacking. This is the standard that we have. He entrusted himself to him who judges. Maybe you're on the other end. You're not the one who acts. You're the one who fails to act. (laughs) Because you don't understand that God has given you a good deposit. You don't understand that God has placed something valuable within you. You don't feel like you should speak. You don't feel like you have the place to speak. You don't feel like you're worth, anybody would be willing to listen to you. You're not sure that God actually put anything in you that's valuable enough to come out. Whether you do or don't do, our job is to be, in, we've been entrusted. We've been entrusted and we will entrust ourselves to Him. I just want to close with this thought. Are you on guard? (laughs) Have you fallen asleep at the wheel? (laughs) Have you? Are your feet kicked up on the on the table here? I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. I'm so glad to be back, and I feel like this is the word that I'm supposed to give you today. It's not particularly the one that I even wanted to give. have some other thoughts, and I went, I think this is for us today. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. If you allow any yeast in your life, you're walking as a hypocrite. You know what all the false prophets in the Old Testament had in common? They're really the epitome of hypocrisy. They're saying something. They're saying one thing and actually the truth is something else. Guard the good deposit that was given to you, that was entrusted to you, and guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to do this by yourself. Let's stand.